Thanks for checking in on this podcast. You are about to hear an inspirational teaching from Caris Ministries. If God has used this ministry to bless you in any way, please take a moment and write to us at amenatcaris.org. We are always inspired and blessed to hear how God is blessing people all over the world through what he is doing here at Caris. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at caris.org so we can continue making podcasts such as this available free of charge. All right, let's get into the word. Say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Say it again, please. Emmanuel. Emmanuel. What's the meaning of Emmanuel? (laughs) That's the title of my message today. Emmanuel. Somebody shout Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Every time when you wake up in the morning, remember Emmanuel. When you are going on the plane, remember Emmanuel. Because of Emmanuel, you can't be involved in a plane crash. Can you imagine Jesus in a plane crash? Or Jesus on the hospital bed? He can't even eat. Remember Emmanuel. When you hear some bad news, remember Emmanuel. See, see, see. It is not the absence of problems, of troubles, that guarantees peace. It is the presence of God that guarantees your peace for tomorrow. So even when the troubles, when situations stir up themselves, troubles arise, remember that God is with you. Say, Emmanuel, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with, <laughs> with child. <laughs> and they asked her, Mary, you're pregnant. What? So it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> She was found with child. And Mary said, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Joseph said, no, no, I can't, I can't. What kind of woman is this? I just, because Joseph was such a decent man, he decided that I'm going to do it in a decent way so it will not humiliate Mary or put her to public shame. So he was planning to put him aside gently because who wants this one? In those days, unlike these times, in those days, women are all very protected. So when you find a woman, in fact, Bible used this word to, refer, to relate to an unmarried woman. Bible says that in, I think, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, talk about if you have a virgin and you can't wait, then marry her quickly. Bible used that, that word, virgin, to symbolized an unmarried woman. That tells you how women were viewed in those days, those times. Brother, marry her. Stop using her. Marry her! Oh, I don't have money at the moment. So, and so what are you doing with her then? Oh, well, you know, we love each other. And we are busy. But we don't have the money to marry now. So then if you don't have, it's like someone who has not finished your driving's test. And you want to go and buy Jaguar, start driving. So then if you don't have the money now to marry, then why don't you also wait now? Why don't you also wait? But you are going, putting the cart before the horse. Now, Pastor Barry, marriage is, marriage is not expensive. All you need is, if you're a woman, you need a man. And witnesses. And if you are a man, you need a woman and witnesses. 
So that's, that's, that's what marriage is about. It's not about your shoes. Yes. <laughs> that's what marriage is about. So instead of going to live with that man or live with that woman in the, another guise that we don't have money, we have good intentions, later we will do it. Then people actually know you are, mar- you are already living. So why don't you honor yourself? Show that you are responsible. You are decent by making some commitment. And then when we see you together, we know that these are responsible, decent people who understand commitment before they even move in together. And then later, you can throw a party if you want to. But you are, marriage is not a party. So you say, oh, I don't have money to do the party, but you have the strength to do it. <laughs> All right, say Emmanuel. <laughs> no, no, please don't take it personal. God is here. I don't know what God is trying to deliver somebody from. So Joseph, let's go back to Joseph. Say Joseph. Hmm. Verse 19, huh? Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, decent man, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example was, uh, was minded to put her away secretly. He planned it. So nobody will know that. Guess what? But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you marry your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. The thing in Mary is Holy Spirit's thing. Who did the conception? She was she had conceived. But the Holy Spirit was the one behind the conception. So Angel told Mary that that thing Mary has conceived is of the Holy Spirit. Alright, so don't put it away. Because it's for your own blessing. <laughs> And then go to the, the next verse. It's of the Holy Spirit. And verse 21. And, and she, she shall bring forth a son. And you, you shall call his name what? Jesus. You shall call his name what? Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all, uh, so, uh, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be, be with child and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which means God with us then Joseph being being aroused from sleep did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had she had brought forth her first firstborn son and he called his name Jesus right so I like the phrase that says that Joseph did as the angel has told him Angel, the evidentiary is telling you something. Please do it. I said, sometimes my preacher won't only just say, Bible says, Bible says. I'll also be saying what the Lord is saying and what someone needs to do. Right? And that is all God is talking to us to show us what we, we have to do. But interesting, I want to take you to, uh, on a, a little journey, some key points in this text we read. The, 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 the first one is... The, um, um, the, in the verse 21, she'll bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from his sins. So I'm going to talk about Jesus. Say Jesus. Jesus. So, so, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled 
which was spoken by the Lord, the Lord through the prophets. Okay, so God, watch this. This is very important. I don't want you to miss this. All this was done so it might be fulfilled. Hallelujah. It might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord. God is a speaking God, and He will never stop speaking. So this morning, God is speaking to someone. God doesn't stop speaking. He started speaking from the beginning. He said, God said, let there be. And he's been speaking from that time until now. And so God does not stop speaking. But watch this very carefully. God is a sovereign God. So when he speaks, his sovereignty begins to go into play. What does it mean to be sovereign? To be sovereign means to have authority to do things the way you want. Okay? So when we say a certain nation is a sovereign nation, that means that other countries or other nations cannot impose what those other nations want on them. Alright? It's only God who has absolute sovereignty can do whatever he wants to do. No one can question. In other words, when we say God has sovereignty, he can make it happen the way he wants it. That's the actual we say, God is sovereign. Somebody say, God is sovereign. sovereign. Anytime we say that our God reigns, what we are saying is that he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He has absolute authority. He has unmitigated authority. He has unhindered authority. He can do whatever he chooses to do. And so from the text, you can see, Bible says that all these things happen so that it might be fulfilled. Because God has said it. He was going to do it. In, in Galatians 4, for which I normally quote a lot, he says that at, at the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law. So when God wants to do something, he's going to do it. If, if God said, I'm going to help you, it does not matter what you don't see around you. When God said, I'm going to help you, it's going to be just as God has said. Amen. The only thing that stops the sovereignty of God manifesting in individuals' life is when they fail to conform with the dictates and the demands and the guidance of God. And so that's why the angel told um, Joseph, don't do it. And Bible said, Joseph did as the angel has told him. And so once we comply with God's instructions, it allows his sovereignty to play out in our individual lives. However, if we fail, it will not stop his sovereignty because he will still get it done. That is why Mordecai told Esther in Esther chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, if you don't do anything about this crisis facing the Jews, Esther, don't think that you will escape. Deliverance will come from somewhere else for God's people. Deliverance and assistance will come. And so Mordecai knew that God was sovereign and God has always been sovereign. And I submit to someone that God is sovereign and his sovereignty will play out in your life. Just to, just to bring to light the sovereignty of God, the Jews went into captivity in Babylon. That's why they said, they sang the song, Psalm 137, verse 1 down, by the rivers of Babylon, when we sat down, when we remembered Zah. All right. They were in captivity, and they sat down, they wept. But, say that, that it might be fulfilled. I want to show you something. Before we go to, okay, let's go to Micah chapter 5. Look at Micah. You like this. You like this. 
I want to just throw a, bit, a little bit light on the sovereignty of God, then we finish it up on the Emmanuel. Thank you, Jesus. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Micah comes right after Jonah. Some of you know what I mean. Oh, we miss those days. Mm-hmm. Micah chapter 5, verse 2 says that, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Okay? So if you see the text, if you have a good Bible, you realize that I said, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the me is capital, the one, capitalized, that is talking about deity. Right? So this prophecy, which was prophesied years ago, was pointing to the fact that Jesus was about to be born where? There. You see, all Bethlehem, Ephrata. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still... See, it was prophecy. It was prophecy. But the, 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 the problem was, a few years before, it was prophesied so many years ago, but then a few years before Jesus, or a couple of years before Jesus was born, the Jews went into captivity. So there were no Jews in Judah. Bethlehem was sort of non-existent. But there has been a prophecy. Ah, if somebody's getting it. There has been a prophecy that the, the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. So then what's going to happen? Like God has given you a word, and the, God has, the, some of us have words hanging on our head, but when you look at your current situation, and you look at your word, the word you have, it, they seem incompatible. God is sorry. You see what I'm talking about? The sovereignty of God is what will, will be responsible for the manifestation of God. Say, so God is sovereign. God. And so, the prophecy was there, but how would it happen when they were in, in, in captivity? And so, Bible talk in Ezra, Ezra chapter, I think chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, Bible talks about how they, they came back from captivity to come and build Jerusalem again. Ezra chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, it talks about, I think we should look at verse 1. It's interesting. Hmm. I like the Bible. Today it's good to go into some, some studies, sort of. Right, I want to open your eyes and show you some stuff. Are you in Ezra? Ezra chapter, what did I say? Okay. Ezra chapter... 5 verse 2. Alright, let's look at verse 2. Let's just, just stay on verse 2. So Zerubbabel, the son of who? Who is the father of Zerubbabel? <laughs> Sheltiel. Zerubbabel's father was called Sheltiel. So Zerubbabel, so Zerubbabel, the son of Sheltiel, the, uh, the son of Sheltiel, and Jeshua, the son of Josadak, rose up and began to build the house of God which is in Jerusalem. 
And the prophets of God were with them, helping them. That's a nice one. Hallelujah. So Zerubbabel began to build. Say Zerubbabel began to build. Do you know what Zerubbabel was doing? He was just following prophecy. He didn't know. So when you read um, the book of Zechariah chapter 4, Zechariah, look at Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 4, verse number 6. Some of you don't know where Zechariah is. Use your sat nav. <laughs> your tom-tom will show you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6 says, So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to who? This is the word of the Lord to who? Let's read it together. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Verse 7, who are you? Let's go. Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and it shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, let's read it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hand of Zerubbabel has laid the foundation of this temple. His hand shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to it. Hallelujah. So let's read the verse 10. Let's finish the verse 10. Let's go. For who has despised the days of small things? For see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which can to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now, the, 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 the whole point here is that Zerubbabel was declared or planned based on God's own intention for him to build the temple. And so, Zerubbabel returned from exile. Okay, they came from Babylon. What we read read from Ezra, Jeshua was part of it. There are a few people who came back to come and build the temple, the house of God. So, Zerubbabel was actually a builder of the house of God. He came to, so, oh, oh, I like this one. When he started building, there was serious opposition. Then Bible talk about how the word of the Lord came, and he says that, who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Why? Because Zerubbabel was on a mission to build the house of God. When you make the house of God your priority, God will make you a top priority. Then you can be saying that, who are you, O obstacle before me? Because obstacles reduce to nothing when you are on a quest. Going to do God's work, building God's house. So remember God is sovereign. Zerubbabel came from Ezel to come and build the temple. I want to look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 12. Let's look at verse 11 and 12. Some of us say, oh, genealogy is not necessary. Why, why is it the Bible put all this and this begat this and this begat this? And then sometimes you meet some people who are ignorant and tell you that the Bible contradicts itself. Because they don't know the scriptures. He just says that you err because you don't know the scriptures. <laughs> I like the way Jesus told the Pharisees what he said to the Pharisees in John chapter 5, verse 39. He says that, John 5, verse 39, you said to the scriptures daily, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify. The scriptures are testifying on me, but I am sure I'm here, you can't recognize me. And yet you are busily searching through the scriptures. <laughs> the scriptures are telling us about Jesus. Jesus is everywhere on every page of your Bible. Praise the Lord. And so the, 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 the temple had to be built. 
God has planned for the temple to be had his own intention because Jerusalem, the, the Jews have to come back. Oh, oh I like this one. Mm. God needed people in Israel. God needed some people in Bethlehem and in Nazareth so that his counsel shall be fulfilled. Isn't it interesting that in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, Bible talks about, we'll come to Matthew chapter 1, verse 12. Bible talks about how, watch this, how now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named what? Nazareth. City of Galilee named Nazareth. Look at chapter 2, verse 4. It says that, in Luke chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of war. Joseph was in Nazareth. Mary was also in Nazareth. And these are the people God has, in his own sovereignty, in his own eternal plan, purpose, plan to get them together so that Jesus can be born. Because Jesus, God didn't need a father for the birth conception of Jesus. But he certainly needed a father for the raising of Jesus. <laughs> what I said is deep. Some people will get it later. <laughs> Don't trivialize as I would. Because if God, someone didn't need a man, it was Mary. But angel had to appear to, her, please, uh, to Joseph. Joseph, please don't put her away. Mm. His putting her away was not going to cause problems because he was going to do it so decently, it won't create problems. But, so it wasn't putting her away to jeopardize her life, but Joseph's involvement was necessary. <laughs> For the upbringing of the child Jesus, even God himself said, I need a mother and father together. Mary and Elizabeth could have done it. <laughs> now read your Bible. Bible says that when the angel told her and said, be it unto me, according to your word, she left straight away and went to be with Elizabeth for a while. She left where she went to stay with Elizabeth. That's when Elizabeth saw her and says that, that as soon as I heard that your salutation, King James, the greeting of your body, the baby in my womb left for joy. They, 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 had, they were carrying divinity. They could have been together and raised the children by themselves. With the support of um, Zachariah, the husband of Elizabeth. <laughs> but angel told Joseph, Joseph, please, we need you on board. Because fathers are important. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh boy, I've got a lot to say, but I'm enjoying this one so much. So, but watch this. The, point I, the reason I brought out Nazareth is that it's, it all points to the sovereignty of God. God put them together. He knew what he was doing. Bible, say, hey, Bible says that known unto God are all his works from the foundation of the earth. He knew. He always knows what he would do. In John 6, the Bible says Jesus himself, for he himself knew what he would do. God never runs out of plan. He never runs out of program. He never runs out of ideas. Because he himself, he knows what he would do. Your life is in his hands. Your life is in his hands. Don't stop fretting. Stop thinking that you are done. You are not done because your life is in the hands of God and he will take care of you. I said God will take care of you. Stop worrying about Christmas. Stop worrying about winter. Stop worrying about your job. Stop, wor- stop worrying. It, don't, it doesn't add to your life. It rather makes you sick. Psychology said there's a sickness which is the, the cause of the sickness is psychosomatic. 
When we say it's psychosomatic, that means that it's, it's, it has to do with your emotions. That that's what is triggering the sickness. Some of the skin condition is highly psychosomatic. Another way of putting it is stress. Stress kills faster. <laughs> but the devil will find every means and every, to keep you down, That's to keep right. you stressed. Listen, as a Christian, don't go around saying, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Some people is like their slogan, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. Ah, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I'm stressed. Grow up. You cannot be oppressed until you are depressed. If you don't allow yourself to be depressed, the devil cannot oppress you. Amen. If you go, I, I'm, I'm depressed. <laughs> no, we are not trivializing your challenge. The challenges will still be there. Even after you die, it still will be around. You can't do anything about some of some things. You, Jesus said, you can't add a cubic to your days by worrying. Worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you activity, but no productivity. You are busy, but you are not going anywhere rocking chair. And I don't see why you worry when you can pray. Worry is natural. Tell somebody worry is natural. natural. It's natural to to feel worried, especially when you hear some disturbing news. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. And then worse of it if you have enemies who you know don't like you. They are waiting for your demise. Tell somebody cheer up. Because God is in control. When we say God is in control, that's why I'm trying to paint the sovereignty of God to us. When he said, the people were in exile, completely in exile. There was no way they could come back. But in the fullness of time, because of God's sovereignty and his purpose, he managed to bring them back so that his counsel be fulfilled. What word has God given you? Listen, you will live enough to see it fulfilled. I said you will live long enough to see the word of God fulfilled in your life, fulfilled in your career, fulfilled in your marriage, fulfilled concerning your health. You will live long enough. You will not die, but you shall live to declare the word of the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Don't entertain the threats of the enemy. You are dying. You are going to die. Something will happen. It's all lies. If you came here this morning, you feel down. You feel like it's not going to work for you. Things are going to fall apart. I'm telling you, the devil is a liar. Things will will not fall apart. Things will hold together. Bible says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. If your chair has not broken down whilst you are seated on it, and everything is still in there, then if your shoe doesn't decide to go apart, when you are coming on the way and the shoe, one, the soul decides, then that means that your life will fall apart. Because the same word that is upholding everything is going to uphold your life. Amen. Say amen. amen. We live in a city which is so busy and stressful. Stressful. Someone can get and say, I don't even feel like I want to go to church. I'm too stressed. No, that's when you have to go, go to God. Say Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1, verse 12. Verse 11, better. I'm going to show you something interesting. Some people say the Bible contradicts itself. I'll show it to you. Very, very interesting. Quickly, and we need to do some Bible exegesis. What did I say? Matthew chapter 1, verse 11. All right. All right. Are you there? All right. I'm, I'm getting there quickly. All right. Verse 11. You see, this is the gene- genealogy. What does verse 11 say? Jesus begot Jeconiah and his brothers about 
the, the time they were carried away to Babylon. Okay. Now go to verse 12. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconah begat. Is that, does that name sound familiar? Who is Shatiel? Oh, yeah. Father of Jezebel. Okay. So, Zechonah begat who? Shiatiel. And Shiatiel begat Zerubbabel. Zechonah begat. And Shiatiel begat. Say the sovereignty of God. Now, Zerubbabel was born in exile. Because verse 11 says that when his father was born, and then they were taken into exile. Okay, carried away into Babylon. So he was born in Babylon. That is what the Bible says in Ezra chapter 5. What I read earlier on, that verse 2, that Zerubbabel and Joshua, they came back to come and build. He was born in Ezra. Got it? Who's the father of Zerubbabel? Please, students. Who's the father of Zerubbabel? Who's the father of Zerubbabel? All right. Let's go to First Chronicles chapter 3. All right. Verse 17. What does it say? Where? I say, uh-huh. His son. So who is the father of Sheatiel? Does that word, that name sound familiar? Shea? And who is, uh, whose father is Sheatiel? Whose father is Sheatiel? Some of you are not following it. It's not a trick question. It's straightforward. <laughs> All right, let's go to the next verse. Look at this very carefully. Look at the next verse. It says that what? And Machiram. Machiram did what? So, so now, now watch this. He's mentioning, go back, sorry. Go back, go back verse 17. I want to show you something. The sons of Jeconiah, okay? He's mentioning the sons of Jeconiah. So he says that the, the sons of Jeconiah were who? Asel, Sheetiel, and then he said, watch this, Sheetiel, his son. He says the sons already. So why did Sheetiel, his sons? All right? Okay. And let's assume Sheetiel, his son. Go to the next verse. See? And who? Makira. And Makira? Pediah. Who? Pediah. Who? Pediah. Who? Pediah. Remember that, okay? Yeah. Pediah, and then who? Shenaza and who? Jeremiah and who? Hoshama and who? Netabaya. Those of you who are looking for names, you see, there are a lot of names in the Bible. <laughs> nice names. Nice names. Pediah. Who is Pediah so long as uh, in relation to Sheatiel? They are brothers. Is that so? Okay. They are brothers. Read the next verse. Let's go to the next verse. Look at this. And the sons of who? What were they? Hey, did you see that? Ah, who is Zerubbabel's father? So, the sons of. Someone said Zerubbabel Jr. Zerubbabel's father. Because his father, no, Shetiel is the one we said is the father. Now they are saying that his uncle is his father. Yes. No, Pastor, this, and this begat, this begat, I don't like it. That's why you won't see these things. All right. Then the son of Zerubbabel, the, the, the sons of Zerubbabel, they mentioned their names. But I want to show you something. Zerubbabel's father. So who is Zerubbabel's father? Okay. The previous verse didn't say anything about Zerubbabel. The previous verse just told us about the fact that Sheetiel was the brother of Pediah. That's what we find out from previous two verses. Then we found out that Zerubbabel's father is Pediah. So why is it that in Matthew, when they were mentioning the genealogy of Jesus, they said that Zerubbabel's father is Sheetiel. 
Say the sovereignty of God. Now, for those of you who think the Bible contradicts itself, it doesn't contradict itself. I want to just show you something quickly, just to know that God is sovereign. He knows what he's doing. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 25, you got to see this one. Deuteronomy chapter, chapter what? 25. Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 5. Chapter 5, it says that if, eh, if brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother should go into her to take her as his wife and perform the duties of her husband's brother to her. What do you think he's talking about? <laughs> Already some people are beginning to think, ah, maybe if my brother dies, that would be a good idea. <laughs> so you can tell. No, this one is a brother. Those times, some people are even extending it to this time. Church brother. If you come to church, you see that sister. <laughs> and they tell you the man is sick. Say, oh God. <laughs> now, the, it says that um, take that, that wife of the dead brother so that your brother will not be without a, a son. So, you, so that you can give your brother a son. So you can give the woman a son, but he will not be your son per se. Biologically, it's your son. But genealogically, it's your dead brother's son. Go to the next verse. Look at it. Look at it. Look at the next verse. And, and, it, shall be, and it shall be that the first son which she bears will succeed, uh, sorry, uh, will succeed to the name of his dead brother. You see that? That his name may not be blotted out of Israel. Now, that name may not be blotted out of Israel. God had Jesus' genealogy in mind. So could it be that Pediah, who has many sons, had to go to be with Sheatiel's wife? Because God is sovereign. In God's plan, watch this, that's the, the key point here. In God's plan, Seattle's name must be in the genealogy of Jesus. And the guy died. But because God, God has already planned, who is going to be in the genealogy of Jesus? Pediah wouldn't be by Seattle. So even though Seattle did not have a son, God had already put installations in place that will make sure that his name will make it into the genealogy of Jesus. Your name will not be missing. No. God is a sovereign God. He knows how to bring his word to fruition. So you can tell, I pointed these things to you to see how God in his own eternal wisdom has been working behind the scenes. Both in Seattle, in Padaya, and all those people coming back to, from, from uh, and guess what? It's Zerubbabel who came to build that. He brought the people back. He was one of the, four, because Zerubbabel was a key person in the plan of God. Some of us are seated here. You look, you may, situation makes you feel unimportant, but you are so important in the plan of God. In the eternity, in eternity part. God has a plan, and you are an essential part of it. Don't let anything discourage you. Wow. You don't have money. And so what? You are still in the plan. Yes. Yes. 
You don't have a, 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 a wife. And so what? You are still, I don't have a husband. And so what? Shetia could have said, Please, I died prematurely without a son. And people didn't know that God had made a provision already. But God, you prophesied that the, 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 the Messiah will come through me. And now, look, I'm sick. I'm about to die. My wife doesn't have a child. What am I going to do? See, that's why they came to Jesus. They asked that if a man dies and marries the son, and then you want to chapter 19, said, in heaven, whose wife shall he be? Jesus said, you, Matthew chapter 19, I think from verse 6 down, Jesus said, you err because you don't know the scriptures. But in heaven, angel, that just like the angels of God, we don't marry. So marriage is just for earth. So they knew this, this law with God, but God put it in place because of his own sovereignty and his own plan. So God gave Shietiel a word, I believe. It could have been that he had a prophetic word that the Messiah is going to come through you and eventually now they're in exile. They don't have any hope of coming back and the Messiah is going to be born according to Micah in Bethlehem. Where is Bethlehem? We don't even know. But God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And the sovereign, hey, listen to this. The, the sovereignty of God will take care of you. Amen. Did you hear what I said? Yes. God's sovereignty will take care. I like the sister's testimony. How things were going to be difficult to get to church. But she had made up, made up her mind that there's nothing. She knows where she lives. Slow. And jump on the bus with his little boy. Travel all the way. Whilst some people live next door. I've traveled and come, so I need to be resting. But God is a suffering God. He knows how to take care of people's whose heart. And if God wants to use you, he always wants you to make yourself available and pay the price as well. Don't say, grace, 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 I've done it. No, you have to pay the price by following his dictates. Say hallelujah. And so Matthew. Chapter um, 1, verse 12, we see the genealogy of Jesus. Then it goes into the verse 18, genealogy throughout. Then the verse 18, then it talks about how uh, Mary was with a child. Joseph wanted to uh, put her away. And then, watch this, and the angel appeared and he says that that which she's called, is called is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bear a son and his name shall be what? His name shall be called what? Jesus. His name shall be called what? Verse 20. Yeah, verse 21, sorry. His name, shall be called, his name shall be called. Now, what's the meaning of Jesus? Watch this. I, I need to write this quickly. Jesus, what's the meaning of Jesus? God our Savior or God saves. Okay? So, God our Savior or God saves. So, now, but then, when you go to the verse 23, when he was referring to Isaiah's prophecy, he says that a virgin shall be with a child and bear a son, and they shall call his name one. Emmanuel. Ah, so Jesus or Emmanuel? Now watch this. When the name Jesus was pointing to the name God. Said, uh, 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 God saves. Okay? God said that he is the savior. So God our savior. Whilst Emmanuel is the, is the confession of his people that God with us. Getting it? So the God the savior with us. So Emmanuel is such an important name because the reason why we have Christmas is because God ah, God has always desired not to sit far. God has always been interested in being part of your case, your, your life. He wants to be with you. He's not a transcendent, he's not just a transcendent God who sits far above. Leaving us to live our lives. No. He's always been interested in being 
part of your life. And so, Emmanuel means God with us. Jesus means God saves or God our Savior. He wants us to know that in spite of any situation you go through, if God is with you, you are saved. If God is with you, you are safe. S-A-F-E. You are safe. Your safety is not in your job. (laughs) Your safety is not in your pocket or your account. Emmanuel is your safety. Somebody say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Say Emmanuel. Emmanuel. That is why God came down. He's always wanted to be with us. So watch this, watch this. Out of his his sovereignty, based on his own sovereignty, he started paving the way from Adam. So when the Bible says that a virgin shall be with child, that word was going straight into when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis chapter 3 verse 16 and God said prophetically that the seed of the woman the seed of the woman, right away in Genesis, he was talking about the seed of the woman who crushed the head of the serpent. Look at verse 15. Yes. He's, he shall, the seed, you see, you see, watch this. He said that, and I'll put enemy between you and the woman, talking about the serpent, and between you, uh, between your seed and her seed. See the seed, the second seed is capitalized, talking about the seed, talking about the seed. And they see, and he will he will bruise your head, and you shall bruise his capital. Talking about Jesus, and so when Mary conceived, it was see God had already planned. And why did God plan? Because God had this desire to be with you. That's what I'm trying. So. But where is Jesus? Has he not gone to heaven? No. In, in, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, he said that I am still with you. Matthew 18, 20. Let's read it together. Let's go. No, Matthew 18, 20. Let's read it. Let's go. For where two or three are gathered in my name, in my name. They, I am there. He said, I, you see, God has the desire. So when he was even going, he said, wherever you gather, I am right there. I will be with you. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Let's read it together. Let's go. Okay, let's go to verse 19 so they can make sense. Let's go. Let's read it together. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, what? I am with you always. When? Even to the end. I am with you what? I am with you, Lord. What's the meaning of Emmanuel? And what did he say? He said, I'm with you always. Go with us. He came and to be with us permanently. And I'm here to announce to you the reason for Christmas is because God is interested in your life. The reason for Christmas is because you matter for God. The reason for Christmas, he wants to be part of your marriage. He wants to be part of your health. He wants to be part of your business. He wants to be part of your education. He wants to be part of your project. God wants to be part of your life so that the glory will become will come to him and that he will be your salvation. God is our salvation in spite of our contacts. That's why the psalmist said, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Hallelujah. God wants to be with you. That's, that's Christmas. The reason why he came. Hi, hi, hi. 
pesa kama hiyo indaa sabai itosaya kama in philippians chapter 2 bible says that in verse from verse 6 downwards talking about even though he was the very nature of god he did not count it robbery to put it aside and take upon himself verse 7 he took upon himself he was made uh, he made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of man he was so interested he took something he became like you and i so that he can be with you say god is with me say god is with me brothers and sisters if you're going through something if you catch hell don't hold it and if you are going through hell don't stop because God is with me. He says that even though I walk through the valley surrounded by death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. It is the immanuel factor in your life that defines your future. Your future, the, the guarantee of your marriage has to do with Emmanuel in the marriage. Yes. The guarantee of your health. Stop saying I have good doctors. Stop saying about good doctors. Thank God for the good doctors. But the guarantee of your health has everything to do with somebody shall Emmanuel. The guarantee of your tomorrow. The guarantee of your children's future is not the school they attend. Not everybody at the top attended the best of schools. Yeah. Mm. If you don't know me, I say, and not everybody who attend the best of school get to the top. What are you talking about? We are aware. We are aware. And brothers and sisters, this must be strong in our minds. And in our consciousness, that it is the God factor that defines our peace factor. Yeah. It's the God factor. And watch this. He's committed himself to be with you. Mm-hmm. That's why he came to die. Christmas is about God with man. Yeah. That's why the angel says, good news to all men. Because finally, God himself has stepped in your case. If you have a challenge with you, you're going through something very turbulent, I'm here to submit to you that Elohim himself, Emmanuel himself, Bible said he stepped down, he laid aside his majesty. So this is, uh, normally kings have robes. He laid aside his royal robe. He put it aside. Watch this. He laid aside his royal robe and then took upon himself the form of a servant. So he took upon, so in essence, he was still divinity. Okay, in essence, that's who he, he is. I don't want to say was, he is. So the historical Jesus was God, man, walking. But the historical Jesus became a reality because of God's interest in your life. He does not want to leave you and I alone. So he took as he laid aside his majesty and took up upon himself the, bond, the form of a servant, humanity. The highest form of any being is divinity. And the lowest form is the servant. 
but he took upon himself the lowest form so that he'll pay any price to be with you and I. That is why the Bible talks about how we don't have a high priest who cannot be sympathized with our infirmities, but the Bible says we have a high priest, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we have a high priest who has been where we are, he sat where we sat, he tested where we tested, he was tempted at all points just as we are. And so he, that's why, Bible so therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find, have mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Why? Because Emmanuel has come to be with us. Shout Emmanuel. Shout Emmanuel. God is with you. And God will never leave you. Nor forsake you. He will never leave you. Even when you go through the worst. Even when you do the worst. He will never leave you. Nor forsake you. In Jesus name. Did you get something? Oh, come on, let's celebrate. Thank you for listening. For more resources, please visit caris.org or call us on 0207-740-9960. God bless you.